The Stone Zone with legendary Republican strategist and political icon and pundit Roger Stone. Stone has served as a senior campaign aide to three Republican presidents. He is a New York Times bestselling author and a longtime friend and advisor of President Donald Roger Trump. Stone. As an outspoken libertarian, Stone has appeared on thousands of broadcasts, spoken at countless venues, and lectured before the prestigious Oxford Political Union and the Cambridge Union Society. Due to his four-plus decades in the political and cultural arena, Stone has become a pop culture icon. And now, here's your host, Roger Stone. Welcome. I'm Roger Stone, and yes, you are back in the Stone Zone. We're here every weekday uh, talking American politics, news, history, style, food, fashion. We like to keep it moving. We have a lot to cover today. Uh, joining me now is uh, my regular co-host, Troy Smith, the editor-in-chief at Rare.us. Roger, a very important day today as we expect uh, a, a, the Supreme Court is hearing the Trump uh, ballot uh, 14th Amendment case, and, and we have so much going on, so it's an honor to be here as always. And there's uh, an awful lot to talk about. You know, this has been such a busy week um, that, frankly, I was remiss in missing the birthday of one of our greatest American presidents. This past week was the birthday of the great Ronald Reagan. Now, Reagan uh, was our last outsider president. Uh, he uh, was not the toast of Washington, nor was he the toast of Wall Street. Uh, he was never a member of the Trilateral Commission or the uh, or the uh, uh, the Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, when he ran for president in 1976, he challenged an incumbent, almost unheard of, given the orthodoxy of the Republican Party, uh, and he came within uh, inches of actually dislodging appointed president Gerald Ford. Ford had become president after being appointed to the vice presidency. At the Republican National Convention in 1976, uh, which was uh, in Detroit, was not without any question the most exciting uh, convention of my lifetime. Uh, and uh, the party was pretty divided. Reagan had lost a string of early primaries uh, unexpectedly, uh, and there was enormous pressure on him to get out of the race. And then suddenly, in an upset, he won the North Carolina primary, then followed that quickly with major victories in Indiana, Texas, uh, and California, making the race for the 1976 nomination a competitive race. Uh, at the convention, uh, he, uh, in a gambit to keep his candidacy alive, he made a bold move and announced that Senator Richard Schweiker, uh, a moderate Republican uh, from Pennsylvania, who was nonetheless a strong supporter of the Second Amendment, would be his running mate and tried to pressure Gerald Ford, who was the sitting president, into announcing who would be his running mate. Reagan knew Ford had, in his efforts to get to the nomination, promised the vice presidency to multiple people, all of whom thought they were the one. That gambit didn't work in the end, but it did get Reagan to the convention where he very narrowly lost on the first ballot. What's interesting is uh, that after Ford took the 
podium to accept the nomination, and Reagan was seated in the galleries, Ford coaxed Reagan to the stage, trying to make sure there was a show of private, of public party unity. Uh, and Reagan was hesitant to go. He actually thought this was Ford's moment. But when he reluctantly went to the podium to speak and spoke from the heart, he not only never mentioned Gerald Ford, but it was if you could see a, a collective balloon go over, like in a cartoon, over the head of the entire convention, when people realized, oh, my God, we have nominated the wrong guy. Uh, anyway. Roger, I think uh, just real quickly, because you have such a unique view into this, I think uh, the audience would love to know. Uh, you know, I, I get we get this idea of Reagan. Now, I was never alive, uh, you know, to see him really in action. But he seems like this such a warm person. And yet the achievements that he was able to make as president of the United States are really remarkable. So I was just just on my question to you would be, what was his managing style like? Was he really the same guy all around? And how did he kind of go about operating White House? Because he did so, so effectively. It's kind of amazing that an outsider like that would would be so effective. Uh, Reagan was very much uh, unlike President Nixon, who I also worked for. Reagan was a big picture man. Because he had come from the world of show business, from entertainment, he was very focused on his performance as president, meaning he understood that one of the roles of the president was to give the people optimism, to give them leadership, to set an example, and to give them confidence that, well, the first person running the country knew what they were doing. So he was always very focused uh, on his public performance as president. At the end of his presidency, he had a wide-ranging, friendly press conference, and some reporter asked him, uh, Mr. President, do you think the fact that you had not come from the world of politics, you had come from the world of show business and acting, had been detrimental to your performance as president? He said, no, actually, I don't see how a guy who wasn't an actor could do this job. Uh, it's interesting, uh, Troy, that former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie has a book out now which is entitled, What Would Reagan Do? Uh, and that's interesting for two reasons. First of all, his ghostwriter is a man named Ellis Hennigan. He's a leftist who used to work at Newsday. He despises Ronald Reagan and all things conservative. And secondarily, since I ran Ronald Reagan's campaign in New Jersey in 1980 into 1984, I can tell you that the very young Chris Christie who had been a failed candidate for the Morris County Board of Freeholders, was never a supporter of Ronald Reagan. He was a supporter of George H.W. Bush. So hypocrisy uh, abounds. I don't think uh, Chris Christie's a book on Reagan is uh, going to do very well, but perhaps people will buy it because they love Reagan. Nobody will buy it because they love Chris Christie. <laughs> That's very true. And I think uh, we have a little bit of a competition going on here pretty soon, Roger, because you will have your own book coming out about the uh, shots fired and, and the attempted assassination on Ronald Reagan. So I can't wait to see the numbers on that. And I guarantee you that Roger Stone's book will do a hell of a lot better than Chris Christie. And also a friend of Chris Christie uh, talking about uh, Ronald Reagan this week. Uh, Roger was Larry Hogan, who I, I'm sure people know here. They've seen the article 
Um, it's been circulated everywhere about Larry Hogan harboring a pedophile in his home. This is the former governor of Maryland. He's also talking about Ronald Reagan. And it's just so important that you speak on this issue because these Chris Christie's of the world, the, the, the Larry Hogan's, they really do a disservice to Ronald Reagan and the history of our country when they, could, when they try to portray him as this establishment elite, as you uh, brilliantly pointed out there. He, he didn't have ties to Wall Street. This guy didn't have ties to Washington, D.C. He was an outsider. And I think as history progresses, the idea that more establishment Republicans are embracing Reagan and trying to make him into something he's not is a, is a real disservice. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, people need to recognize that Larry Hogan, who was governor of Maryland, his father, Larry Hogan, senior, was a, a conservative Republican congressman from Prince George's County. As a college student at George Washington University, I actually canvassed door to door in Larry Hogan's campaign. He was a wow. strong pro-lifer and he was actually a medical doctor. He was a Reagan conservative. Uh, the, the acorn has fallen very far from the tree. Uh, I don't even consider uh, Larry Hogan a Republican, or perhaps he's a Republican in name only. It's not just the issue you raise about him harboring a known pedophile in his home, which is a matter of public record. That's I know it seems incredible, but no, we're not making it up. But it's also some of extraordinarily shady business dealings. Uh, and now, of course, we're told that he's flirting with the idea of perhaps being the no labels candidate for president. Now, people who don't know what no labels is, that is an independent effort uh, headed by former Connecticut uh, Senator Joe Lieberman uh, uh, and uh, Senator Joe Manchin uh, of West Virginia and Ben Chavez, former head of the NAACP uh, and others, uh, to get a an independent presidential candidate uh, on the ballot under the no labels label. Uh, they actually may have more success uh, than Robert Kennedy does in this regard because, well, first of all, they have more political experience. They have greater funding. They've been working on this for some time. And I think they have a better command of the process. Uh, Larry Hogan, if you're listening, I really, really, really hope you run. Um, that would be uh, that would really be fun. All right, uh, let's get on to some of the news of the day. Uh, yesterday, as you know, uh, the D.C. Court of Appeals, as expected, uh, ruled against President Donald Trump uh, in his argument uh, that he has legal immunity in any act he performed uh, as president. Uh, I thought that proceeding was fairly disgraceful. Uh, the result of that was not at all unexpected. The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals is the most politicized and liberal in the country. Um, it, it's the same group that upheld the gag on me during my trial, which was unconstitutional, uh, upheld the gag on Donald Trump. So this is not unexpected. But what was unexpected in those arguments was when one of the three judges on the three-judge panel asked Trump's lawyer, John Sauer of Missouri, um, whether uh, if Trump ordered SEAL Team 6 to assassinate his political opponent and then had SEAL Team 6 assassinate any member of the U.S. Senate who favored Trump's impeachment because of that, um, would he have immunity in those acts? Uh, first of all, it's a hypothetical question. Most great lawyers I know 
No, you don't answer hypothetical questions in court. But secondarily, it's an outrageous concept. Uh, I'm not a lawyer, but I believe that Trump's immunity or any president's immunity would only extend to their official legitimate acts as president. Uh, murdering your opponent would not fall within that. So the answer, of course, would be no. Uh, or, Your Honor, it's a hypothetical that doesn't apply. Uh, but to say a qualified yes, this, of course, has the left high-fiving each other. Uh, there was a very good uh, uh, discussion of this uh, question, uh, I believe. Let's see. I think we have it. Let me just be absolutely sure. Uh, but uh, as you point out, it now will go to the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, and it will be interesting uh, in the Supreme Court to see if Trump's lawyers uh, pose a, a better argument. The consequences of ruling uh, that Trump does not have immunity uh, on Barack Obama and Joe Biden are pretty extraordinary, no? It, it really is extraordinary. And, and the implications of saying that a president doesn't have immunity, I mean, they, they stretch. I mean, we talk about the fentanyl crisis, Roger, and, and you are somebody who has been affected by the fentanyl crisis just in the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, your nephew passed away from a, a fentanyl issue. And I, I think there's so many millions of Americans out there who have been impacted by this. Has it not been the policies of Barack Obama and Joe Biden who have permitted this fentanyl flowing into the country? Are they not responsible for the millions of deaths in that regard? Is, is George W. Bush not responsible for what happened in Iraq with, with a million civilians killed? I mean, are you, are, are you serious? I, we are in uncharted territory, Roger, and, and you see at, outside of the Supreme Court this morning, there are protesters and they're setting up barricades and they're preparing for the inevitable, which is that, as you described here, if you are acting in an in in official capacity as a president of the United States, you do have immunity. That's plain and simple. It's plain and simple. And, and, and on top of it, uh, you have you have the ballot you have the ballot access question with the 14th Amendment, which I, I, I dare anybody, please go into the 14th Amendment, take a look at that and explain to me how that would prevent Donald Trump from being on the ballot in, in, in any any state. I mean, it's just unbelievable the level of attack that we're seeing, Roger. And what does it tell you? They don't want the people to have a choice. And I talked about this in my own show just yesterday. Uh, we have been given the illusion of choice for many, many years. And, and whether it was Barack Obama, Mitt Romney, Barack Obama, John McCain, uh, George W. Bush, John Kerry, the American people thought that those elections were contentious battles of political conscience, and they weren't. They were two sides of the same coin. And those people have, have had a controlled opposition on either side for a very long time. And, and Donald Trump represents the end of that. He represents an actual choice for the American people. How do those in power respond, those who have controlled that double-sided coin and our elections for so many years? They try to remove him from the ballot because they don't want you to have an actual choice in this matter. Uh, very, very well put. Here's a, uh, uh, you raised the question of Trump's ballot access. Uh, here's a terrific video from CNN this morning uh, in which uh, presidential impeachment lawyer David Schoen addressed this question, I think, better than any place I have seen. Let's roll that. Joining us now is Trump's defense lawyer during the second impeachment trial, David Schoen. He's also 
See, Bannon's attorney, I really appreciate you being here. I should also just note as a point of fact, you've, you've been arguing cases like this for a long time, not exactly the same, but about access to being on the ballot. You've also at one point represented the National Democratic Party. I'm glad you're here this morning. You say you can guarantee Trump prevails. Why? <laughs> well, uh, I, Trump will prevail in the case. I mean, if if uh, civil libertarians have their way, in my view, every civil civil libertarian ought to support his position. It's a matter of process. There are fascinating arguments. Caitlin mentioned them earlier. Uh, textual arguments about whether it applies to president or vice president, since they're not named. Whether president's an officer. There's an 1888 case, 2010 case suggests they're not. Um, those kinds of arguments are interesting. But to me, the 14th Amendment itself requires that it be overturned. Matter of due process. The 14th Amendment incorporates the Fifth and Sixth Amendment uh, principles. So, for example, here, either this, either Section 3 is self-executing or it isn't. We have this Griffin's case from 1869 mm -hmm. that says it isn't, that there requires federal legislation in order to apply this section. Whether that's required or not, um, he was being this is a using this section to circumvent his civil rights is inappropriate. What I mean by that is this. We have a federal statute insurrection 18 USC 2383. They had every opportunity to charge him with that. They never did. Yeah. They never even presented to a grand jury because they couldn't make out probable cause. If they had, he'd have all of the Fifth and Sixth Amendment rights available. So right to jury trial, a burden of proof beyond a reasonable doubt. All of those rights. He doesn't have those with just a made-up process here. Um, and then who decides? Is it just a, a non-lawyer in Maine, Secretary of State? Is it a judge in Colorado? That's a matter of due process to get notice of what the charges are, what the mens rea is, all of those things. So I say as a matter of process, it's an easy case, and every civil, civil libertarian ought to hope that the Colorado decision is overturned. A couple of things, David, and I, I find this a fascinating argument as well. When you talk about enforcement, there's Section 5, obviously, uh, and we're going to see how that plays out, that Congress is the one that has the power to enforce. That would be against the argument uh, of self-execution. But the other thing that is really interesting to me is this, the, the Colorado Supreme Court had a finding of law, but then they had a finding of fact, and their finding of fact was, indeed, he did engage in an insurrection. Do you think the Supreme Court takes up that argument at all? that this was or wasn't engaging in an insurrection, or do they bypass that? Very interesting question, a great question, as all of yours always are. Um, I think, first of all, what troubles me most, I think, in the Colorado decision about its finding of fact is that it relied on the January 6th committee report. I, I feel very strongly that committee is a partisan committee that was ethically checkered in the first place. But again, who makes the finding of fact and under what standard? That's the problem here. What's the definition of insurrection? Is it just a, a single judge who decides and makes these findings of fact? I don't think the court has to get into the finding of fact that was made mm -hmm. and overturn that finding of fact. I don't think they have to determine, okay. did he engage in insurrection or not? In my view, right, go ahead. No, that's really interesting. Uh, what I find to be the most interesting, but potentially the most perilous argument that Trump's team of lawyers is making in this is that the language only bars someone guilty of this, from holding office, not from running for office. But if Trump were to win, I mean, yeah. do you think that's a wise road for them to go down today? Uh, that may be the best question of all. I'm shocked 
that they raise it. A, a good lawyer recognizes that not every textual or other argument that's available ought to be made. In this case, there's an amicus brief that makes it also, and that may be appropriate for an amicus to make. It's an interesting argument, and that is the, uh, a finding from the textual language. But why on earth would President, Trump President Trump's team want to argue that? So that he wins the election, and then afterwards they reinitiate this whole process of trying to bar him from holding office, and they say, well, your lawyer said that that's what the language uh, provides. I don't believe for a second that President Trump approved that argument to be made. Tell me how you would argue this case, David. On the process issue, frankly, I think that that's an issue that all sides ought to coalesce around. Nobody in this country wants someone to lose, the voters either to lose their First and Fourteenth Amendment rights to vote for a candidate of their choice or a candidate to stand for election based on a finding by a random state. We know from the 1983 case, Anderson versus Celebrezzi, landmark ballot access case, that states have a lesser interest in national elections because their action affects what goes on in the whole country. So I would argue it on the process question, a matter of due process, you don't have to look beyond the 14th Amendment to know that this is a denial of rights by circumventing the safeguards that would be if he were charged under 2383. He wasn't. I think the case ought to be overturned 9-0. Come back tomorrow if you can, David. I'd love to hear what you think after we hear the arguments today. So appreciate your time. David Schoen, without any question, I think the, the smartest lawyer I've ever met, by the way, he will be joining me on WABC Radio uh, this Sunday between 4 and 6. You can listen to that uh, fascinating discussion uh, at WABCradio.com. Folks, if you're just tuning in, we're here at the Stone Zone. Uh, uh, David Covey, uh, candidate uh, for the Texas State Legislature, challenging the Speaker of the Legislature, who is a rhino, recently endorsed by President Donald Trump himself uh, is going to join us uh, in about five minutes. Uh, in the meantime, uh, the mainstream media continues to completely freak out over the fact that Tucker Carlson is guilty of practicing journalism. That's right. Uh, Tucker Carlson flew to Russia in order to do an interview with Vladimir Putin, just like uh, uh, was done by Mike Wallace or Oliver Stone. Uh, and others. Uh, but, of course, no one questioned their patriotism or questioned their loyalty or questioned their motives, uh, but they, they are attacking uh, our good friend, uh, Tucker Carlson. Uh, here's uh, Hillary Clinton, of all people, a woman who should just go away, but she had some thoughts on it. I mean, he's like a puppy dog. You know, he somehow has, after having been fired from so many outlets in the United States, he, uh, I would not be surprised uh, if he emerges with a contract with outlet because he is a useful idiot. He says things that are not true. He parrots Vladimir Putin's uh, pack of lies about Ukraine. Uh, so I don't see why Putin wouldn't give him an interview because through him, he can, you know, continue to lie about what his, you know, objectives are in Ukraine and, and uh, you know, what he expects to see happen. It's really quite sad that not just somebody like Tucker Carlson, who has, as I said, been fired so many times because he seems unable to, you know, correlate his uh, reporting with the truth, um, but also because he, it's a sign that there are people in this country right now who are like a fifth column for Vladimir Putin. And why? I don't know. 
I mean, why are certain Republicans throwing their lot in? Why are, you know, other Americans basically believing uh, Putin? Why did Trump believe Putin more than our 11 intelligence agencies? Hmm, I don't know. Do you have a working I theory? Think I do have a working theory. Uh, speaking of somebody who's been fired, I think Hillary Clinton was fired by the American people. She will never be president. Uh, those who are questioning the war in Ukraine aren't supporting Vladimir Putin. They're questioning why we are violating the Budapest Memorandum that we signed when George H.W. Bush was president, in which we agreed not to push Ukraine into NATO, but more importantly, not to put uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles pointed at Russia on the ground in Ukraine. That's what this fight is all about. Uh, well, my and, congratulations uh, to Tucker Carlson. Uh, there's nothing in America that will make you more popular than being attacked by Hillary Clinton. Well, it's exactly right, Roger. And I think it's important to point out as well, Hillary Clinton and the Clinton family have used Ukraine to relaunch the Clinton Global Initiative, and they have used that to relaunch the uh, the Clinton Foundation that it kind of seeped back into nothing after, of course, Hillary Clinton wasn't running for president anymore and they couldn't sell access and they couldn't go around telling people that she was going to be president. So she's made an awful lot of money off of the idea of U.S. involvement in Ukraine. And, and just for her to sit there and attack, Tucker Carlson tells you everything you need to know about the motive of those in power to obstruct the truth when it comes to the conflict in Ukraine. Uh, all right. Uh, before we go to uh, David Covey, he's going to join us very shortly, candidate for the Texas State House, but more importantly, challenging the Rhino Speaker. Uh, we have to make a shameless commercial appeal because, well, we need to keep the lights on here. Uh, if you haven't read my book, uh, Stone's Rules, this is how I have survived in a 45-year in career in American politics. It's kind of like a Sun Tzu's the Art of War, or Machiavelli's uh, The Prince. Uh, these are the things that I have learned uh, uh, in the public arena uh, in a long career. You can get your very own signed copy with an introduction by my good friend Tucker Carlson uh, by going to stonesrulesbook.com. That's stonesrulesbook.com. Now, this is a... Uh, not all about politics. It doesn't matter whether you are uh, in uh, politics or government or business or retail or tech or, or entertainment or agriculture, for that matter. There are helpful tips uh, about life uh, in this book. It is a, it's a lighthearted look on uh, the things that I have learned. Now, you could go to Amazon and order a copy, or you could go to Barnes & Noble, but why give money to multinational corporations who hate your guts? So by going to stonesrulesbook.com uh, and ordering there, not only will your book be personally autographed and personalized to you, if you wish, uh, but you'll be supporting us here at the Stone Zone rather than supporting, say, Jeff Bezos. Uh, and the folks uh, at Amazon. Okay, folks, uh, please uh, uh, check that out. I think that you will enjoy it. Uh, joining us now uh, is David Covey, who is a candidate for the Texas State House. Big, big news this uh, week. Uh, David Covey, thank you for joining us here in the Stone Zone. It is good to be with you today. 
So you've, you're coming off an amazing week because your candidacy has just been endorsed by none other than President Donald Trump himself. How does that feel? I can tell you, uh, that was an amazing feeling when President Donald Trump called me to let me know. And as far as I know, I'm the only House race that he has endorsed in in the country. And so we are, are very excited. We're pumped up. But the reason he is endorsing me and he's asking people to vote for me is because Dade Phelan, my opponent, is such an embarrassment and is barely a Republican and kills conservative legislation. Uh, it is uh, also notable, of course, that you have also been endorsed by Texas Attorney General Ten, uh, uh, Ken Paxton, great friend of the show, great American, great, uh, as well as Texas Agriculture Commissioner Sid Miller. Uh, people who aren't Texans may not really understand uh, Dade. I love the way the lieutenant governor calls him Phelan, because that's a better description of his entire career. But Tell us more about this entrenched rhino and why he's got to go. Well, as you know, Texas is a red state. It's a Republican state. But unfortunately, the Democrats are able to control the Texas House by selecting the, the Texas Speaker of the House. Now, he's a Republican that all the Democrats and just a couple of the Republicans in the House come together and then they elect him to, to run the House. And it's his sole discretion to bring bills up, to kill bills, and what legislation passes. And so he's using his alliance with the Democrats to kill conservative pieces of legislation. And, and he even has made deals with them where he appoints them to chair powerful committees. It's unbelievable that in a state as free and independent and conservative as Texas, we have someone who is clearly a rhino, a Republican in name only, running our Texas House. Uh, David, uh, Governor Craig Abbott just signed a bill to make it a state crime to illegally enter Texas. First of all, what do you think of that and other moves that Texas has made? And what's your assessment of this entire standoff uh, at the border? Well, I tell you, the uh, border crisis has, has made every county, not only in Texas, but around the country, a, uh, a border and, and critical county where the residents are affected by this overflow and invasion uh, of our country. And so I, I fully support what the governor is doing. And Texas and, and the states have the right to protect ourselves, we have the right to uh, defend ourselves and 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 to to guard against invasion. Now, the federal government should be doing it, but no one's holding their breath uh, why waiting for President Biden to do anything about it. He can't seem to uh, find his way around the White House. So, Texas has the constitutional authority, I believe, and I support the governor. And I think, believe he believes that to protect Texans, and that's exactly what we're going to do. Yeah, it's, uh, it's refreshing, actually, now to see uh, Abbott uh, offering this leadership. Uh, so many people outside of Texas tried to follow the impeachment proceedings against uh, Ken Paxton uh, and the role played by Dade uh, Phelan, I guess he calls himself, in that. We now know that that completely baseless exercise cost Texans 
$4.3 million. Can you explain to us what actually happened and what that was really all about? Well, Ken Paxton, the attorney general of Texas, has sued the Biden administration every chance he gets. He's slowing their administration down. He's he's known to be a conservative fighter uh, in the country. And so, of course, Dade Phelan wants to play politics and goes in and impeaches him. Uh, basically, it was over Memorial Day weekend, and, and as uh, many people have said, he impeached him with no sworn testimony, with no hard evidence, and, and he did it in less time than it takes to smoke a brisket. And so here's a guy that was playing politics with the safety of Texas families and was willing to take Kim Paxton out of his office because he wasn't able to be in office during this time. Now, the Senate completely acquitted him. They cleared him of all charges, and, and it showed Phelan to be the false, fake uh, Republican that he is, and he's playing politics, and, and it's, it's a dangerous precedent. So that's, that's another reason he's got to go. We need Kim Paxton in office suing President Biden and slowing his dangerous policies down. Uh, Troy, uh, do you have a question for David? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I think I, I pay I try to pay attention to Texas and it's and it's difficult because you, you have these centers where you have you have people who are, uh, you know, you have Austin, you have you have cities where it's a lot different than than what you would traditionally think about Texas. And I think, you know, people from the outside look at Texas as a changing uh, state. What is that a result exactly of of, of feeling speakership and and if, if you do fail to get him out of there, what kind of world are Texans going to be living in going forward? Because it seems like things are getting worse and worse as far as Democrat control in the state. Well, as Texas goes, so goes the nation. And we know that. That's why President Donald Trump endorsed me and asked voters to vote for me, because we can't afford to lose. We have to win this fight. We have to have true conservatives who believe in the Republican principles and the priorities that we work for. And so that, that's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, people like Dave Phelan want to team up with Democrats and, and change our state. Uh, but President Trump and I are fighting hard. We're not going to let that happen. And we're just asking people, stick with us. Let's make sure that Texas stays the reddest state in the nation. Uh, I saw uh, an extraordinary interview uh, with Ken Paxton, who's a friend of mine, with Tucker Carlson just recently, uh, in which Paxton said that the state Supreme Court has essentially prevented him from enforcing the law when it comes to the question of voter fraud, uh, even though the legislature expects him to uh, pursue uh, cases uh, of voter fraud. Uh, how can this be and what is the solution? Well, this is something that a, a Republican-controlled legislature can can clear up pretty quickly and give the attorney general the ability to prosecute those who have uh, gone and uh, committed voter fraud. And that's absolutely the solution and what we should do. Uh, that's part of why President Trump endorsed me and asked people to vote for me is because Dade Phelan refuses to do this. We need to take bold action, allow the attorney generals, not just in Texas, but around the country, to prosecute voter fraud to the full extent of the law and, and clean up these elections because 
Because if we don't have a, a integrity in our election, then what do we really have? You raise uh, an excellent point. Now, uh, here's a political question. You're on the ballot uh, primary day, the same day uh, as Donald Trump. Uh, is there a lot of support in Texas for uh, Nikki Haley? <laughs> Nikki Haley is uh, is a um, a fading a fading uh, name over here. Although we we do have a lot of of fun with it. Look, she's not going anywhere. This is this is Trump country. He's going to win Texas in a landslide. And we just are asking people, let's let's not take that for granted. Let's get out. Let's make this the biggest election year that Donald Trump uh, has ever won Texas. Let's give him the votes and and give him a good send off here in Texas. Uh, that's that's why he's endorsing in this race because he's endorsing me because this is another winnable race, and we want to have a lot to celebrate. Uh, on election night, and we really don't want to hear the name Nikki Haley ever again. Yeah, we talked about this at some length yesterday. I'm really not certain uh, after the drubbing, I think she's going to take not only uh, she'll win no delegates in Nevada tonight. In fact, she chose not to compete for some bizarre reason. She chose to compete in Nevada's non-binding beauty contest, a preferential primary that doesn't award delegates. Donald Trump wasn't going to waste any money in that. And then shockingly, as I'm sure you saw, none of the above actually got more votes than she did, which means more, almost twice as many people voted against her than voted for her. But then the real process, for folks who are confused, that's actually tonight. These are the Nevada Republican Delegate Selection Caucuses. Uh, and she's not competing in that process where she should have competed, although I think to the handwritings on the wall. Now, the way their rules are written, uh, if you get 4% of the vote, you get a delegate. Uh, there's a perennial candidate in there, Binken, Blinken, I can't think of his name at the moment, but it's possible that he will get one delegate. Uh, but I expect Trump to sweep the delegates uh, in Texas uh, David, has the, have the, the tsunami of lawfare against Trump, which the Texans have already seen against Ken Paxton, which turned out to be completely fraudulent. Um, do you think that has, as it has uh, in most of the country, really turbocharged the president's candidacy? I, I do. I think you're exactly right that the, the more these cases are shown to be fraudulent, people understand that. And they see through this uh, these attacks that are all political. And and I, I believe that President Trump will will show all these attacks to be fraudulent, uh, just as Ken Paxton did, and ultimately will be victorious. And we we really need that because uh, folks like uh, Nikki Haley and Dade Phelan are out there to undermine the American people. They would compromise and sell their soul just to get uh, on camera, to have a little bit of power. And we need someone like Donald Trump that's in between us and the swamp because they really want us, but he's standing in the way. Uh, so I, I couldn't be more proud of him endorsing me and asking people to vote for me in my race. Uh, and I hope that, that folks all around the country turn out in droves to reelect President Trump who is really standing in the gap between us and the swamp and those who want to attack us. 
All right. So, David, uh, Texas is a big state. Uh, running for office is always expensive. Uh, as the speaker, I'm sure that Dade Phelan, I guess he calls himself, can dip into all the special interest money he wants, the, the trial attorneys, uh, all the usual suspects. Uh, the folks supporting you, well, they're American patriots, small uh, and medium-sized donors largely, business men and women. Uh, and folks, you don't have to live in Texas to make a contribution in this important race. Uh, folks want to give to you, David, tell them where they can go. You can go to my website, coveyfortexas.com, and uh, we welcome any donation. This is, we're, we're squeezing every penny we can. We're fighting hard, and we're going to make sure that we don't let the American people down uh, or the people of Texas. And uh, that's, that's, that's what we're doing. President Trump is, is on our side, and so anyone who can join us, we are very grateful. All right. There, there you have it, folks. No matter where you live in the country, this is one of the most important races in the country. Uh, the country club Bush wing of the party uh, would love to beat David Covey. That's not going to happen, but only if you go online uh, and help in this important fight. So, David, thank you for joining us. Thank you for laying this out for us. God bless you and good luck to you. And say that website one more time. We're going to put it up one more time. Thank you, sir. Coveyfortexas.com. Coveyfortexas.com. And God bless. Thank you for having me on the show today. Great. Folks, go right there immediately. Please make a generous contribution. Uh, God will bless you for it. Thank you uh, so much, David. Uh, so uh, it's probably a good time for me also to remind you uh, that uh, our show uh, every single day uh, is uh, brought to you by the great folks at MyPillow.com. Now, if you thought that my pillow was just about pillows, well, then you haven't been to the website. Uh, Mike Lindell is a warrior. He's a happy warrior. He's probably the country's number one advocate for free speech uh, and for election integrity. And of course, he himself is under attack, being sued by the left, being sued by the voting machine companies because Mike Lindell is committed to putting them out of business uh, and returning this country to paper ballots. So here's an opportunity to not only help Mike Lindell, uh, but also help us here at the Stone Zone. And the way to do that is to go to MyPillow.com. And when you do, please use promo code STONE, promo code STONE. There you have it. Now, as I said, uh, there are a, a number of great products well beyond pillows. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention to you the revolutionary new MyPillow 2.0. This is a, a pillow that has a built-in cooling technology so that your pillow remains cool. You don't have to keep turning it over through the night. Uh, Mike Lindell himself, himself says that the Two absolute keys to a good night's sleep are both height and temperature. Uh, I wasn't sure about this idea until I got my amazing MyPillow 2.0. Uh, then, well, I got rid of all the rest of my, my pillows, and now uh, I'm absolutely addicted to it. It's amazing. Uh, and there's a special now, I believe, on it. MyPillow. Uh, you get deep discounts when you use promo code STONE. There's some other notable products there that I'm going to touch on because, well, they're worth talking about and we need your support. Uh, we're dog 
dog lovers, everybody knows that. Uh, and that's why I love the My Pillow dog beds. The dog beds are suitable for dogs or cats. Uh, they protect your floors, your rugs, your furniture. Uh, yet your pets uh, get to sleep or lounge in luxury. Uh, they start from as low as nineteen ninety nine. Uh, they go all the way up to thirty eight ninety thirty nine ninety eight, I believe. Uh, but you get a deep, deep discount when you use promo code Stone. Uh, if you're an animal lover and you like the concept of the dog beds, well, then you ought to look at the My Pillow pet blankets. Uh, the pet blankets uh, are the perfect accompaniment. Uh, as I've said here on the show, Mrs. Stone and I like to crank the air conditioning down low and sleep into the pool, sometimes a bit too much for our fur babies. So they are, remain warm and toasty uh, in their MyPillow dog beds uh, while being uh, cosseted with the pet blankets. Uh, check those out as well. Doesn't matter whether it's the pillows or the pet beds or the pet blankets uh, or the uh, amazing towel sets now on special. Uh, here's a concept for you. Uh, towels that are not treated with some kind of oil to make them more durable, but making them much less absorbent. Not true of the towel sets uh, that you can get at MyPillow.com. Also world famous for the high quality bed sheets. Uh, you should look at those uh, as well. The men and women's uh, bathrobes now on special. These have a uh, a plush, generous shawl collar. Uh, I, I love mine. I chose a slate grab, washed it several times. Looks like it's brand new. So please, folks, take just a minute to go over to MyPillow.com. And when you do, use a promo code STONE. Uh, if you're like me, you don't like uh, the Internet, you don't like putting your financial information on the Internet, you can dial 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939 and place your order over the phone. That gives you a greater sense of security. I recommend that. Uh, but be sure, above all, to use promo code STONE. All right, uh, Troy, uh, uh, breaking news here. Uh, it appears, I think, that Barack Obama seems to be implying that he has some kind of diplomatic breakthrough uh, with Hamas. Let's uh, run this video. There is some movement, and I don't want to, I don't want to, well, maybe choose my words. There's some movement. There's been a response from the, uh, the, the there's been a response from the opposition, but um, it, it, yes, I'm sorry, from Hamas, but it seems to be uh, a little over the top. We're not sure where it is. There's a continuing negotiation right now. So, Troy, uh, that's pretty amazing. I, I don't know. Uh, What's more shocking, the, the decline in the cognitive uh, capabilities of Joe Biden or the word salad that we see every time the vice president speaks? Well, Roger, as you said there, I mean, it might as well be Barack Obama, because what we're seeing from this administration is what Barack Obama is. And I think anybody that watches Biden honestly and looks at clips of him and says, OK, you know, this is 
the president of the United States, just so people understand the president, the presidency is the most strenuous, stressful job in the world. It is the, it without a doubt, there's no job in the world in which there's more required of a human being. You have to be on the top of your game. And that's why Trump was so effective because as somebody who had run a multi-billion dollar company in the past, he had been kind of not at the level of the presidency, uh, but he had been in a very high level where he had to execute. And you look at Biden and, and I've been watching this, Roger, for six months. I've been canceled for this. I've had the White House contract contact Microsoft and tell him, hey, we got to take down Troy Smith and Rare from from MSN.com because he's he's showing clips of the president stumbling around and running from the Easter Bunny. And, and they cancel you for it. And, and you have to ask yourself, Roger, why is the media, it's, and, and, and Nancy Pelosi, who was defending this guy on CNN yesterday, and Hillary Clinton, who defends him on, on MSNBC every single day, why are these people so scared to admit what's going on? And, and you look at Kamala Harris, you look at other people in the administration, they are turning a blind eye. If, if, if you, if you want to get to the heart of this, Congress needs to subpoena the information, the communications information of the White House, get all the messages, all the emails, subpoena all of it, and and get to the heart of it. Because I guarantee you these people are sending emails like, oh my God, he's so bad. What the hell are we going to do? I guarantee you that there's talk behind the scenes of how they can remove Biden from the spotlight, how they can try to obscure his, his failing health. And yet, Besides those efforts, every time this guy steps out into public, he commits an embarrassing, uh, pathetic uh, mistake like he did uh, just there, just struggling to speak. You, you, you can't make this up. And, and unlike this show, Roger, where you and I are just talking from our, our hearts and our minds, this guy has a teleprompter with words that are this big every place he goes and he still struggles to read it it's just unbelievable that the mainstream media and the democrat political uh, operatives and including the republicans too refuse to address his evident cognitive decline that is going to end up being a major problem for our country because the end result of this is china looks at that and they look at lloyd austin hiding his hospitalization and 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 they say there's no there's no there is no wolf there is no dog to defend the hen house. There is nobody in the United States that's in charge. We just have a loose group of leftists that are propped up by the Democrat political establishment, and they are using the empty-headed Joe Biden to make their worst and, and their, their worst nightmares become our reality and to just destroy our country. That's what it seems like to me they're doing. Well, what you say is really underlined uh, by this uh, recent video by James O'Keefe uh, who went undercover, although I don't know how you could not recognize James O'Keefe. Now, he, <laughs> he did dye his hair. He did put on a pair of thick Coke bottle glasses. He did act like he was gay. Uh, but uh, you had a high-level national security official in the Biden White House basically spilling his guts and saying, yeah, it's really bad. It's really, you know, the president's conduct uh, it's really awful. We got a real problem. He also acknowledged that there's clearly, at least at a minimum, been some discussion of replacing uh, Biden uh, with uh, Michelle Obama. Uh, that is a prediction that I stick with. By the way, uh, this weekend on WABC Radio, uh, David Schoen, who we saw earlier, uh, the country's one of the country's foremost criminal defense lawyers, uh, and a man who has specialized in 
ballot access issues uh, on behalf of Democrats and minor parties. I think he once represented the socialists. A uh, very principled lawyer uh, joins us to talk about the efforts to remove Donald Trump from the ballot. Uh, and also Joel Gilbert, uh, who has written a, a book uh, and made a documentary called Michelle Obama 2024. They both join me Sunday, uh, this Sunday, from 4 to 6 p.m., uh, Eastern uh, at WABCRadio.com. So wherever you are, if you don't live in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area where I grew up, uh, but you want to listen to the show, we are live streaming worldwide uh, at WABCRadio.com. I think folks are going to want to tune uh, in for that. Uh, we have about three minutes to go here, Troy. I'm going to see uh, what your final thoughts are. Well, Roger, I think, uh, you know, talking about Ronald Reagan earlier in, in this show kind of highlights uh, the impact that one man can have on an entire country. And uh, you were you had the you had the absolute honor of working uh, with Richard Nixon and working with Ronald Reagan and now working with President Trump. And without those three men, uh, you, you, you really struggle to think about where this country would be. And it, despite the fact that, you know, we, there's so much political noise that happens, uh, those, those men really, as visionaries, as people who uh, were politically, uh, you know, on top of things, they, they, they've set things in motion that have preserved the American way of life to the point that we have it today. And it shows for all of our viewers and listeners out there that by taking this link and sharing it with your friends and family, or, 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 or going to rare.us and check out the articles or going to stone zone or, or supporting us in this fight. It's the actions of one individual that can change the course of history. And as, as the, the attacks against President Trump continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger as we head into this election, we must remember that it's those who want to bring change, especially to nefarious and failing systems that are often the biggest targets that are often attacked the hardest. And though today the mainstream media may view Trump and his supporters in a certain way, history can't lie and history won't lie. And history will tell us exactly where we are right now and it, it will propel us into making a better future. That's how I, I'm seeing things right now, Roger. All right. That's a great a note for us to finish on. Uh, again, thank you for joining us today uh, on the Stone Zone, tomorrow on the Stone Zone. Uh, the aforementioned Joel Gilbert's going to be joining us talking about what we really believe will be the effort to replace Joe Biden uh, with uh, uh, Michelle Obama. You're not going to want to miss that. There's a lot of developments. I've been saying this for two years now. Suddenly, uh, you know, you have people as diverse as Bill O'Reilly and uh, Dick Morris uh, uh, and uh, many others coming to the same conclusion. So uh, until then, I'm Roger Stone. Uh, my co on behalf of my co-host, uh, Troy Smith uh, at Rare.us. You want to check him out as well. Thank you for joining us in the Stone Zone. God bless you and Godspeed. And yes, we will see you tomorrow. <laughs>